Hello and welcome to another extra special, extra wonderful, hopefully time-synced episode of Normandy FM. Uh, we had a moment coming into this podcast where uh, I realized that calling out the 50-second mark is a very confusing thing to say out loud and <laughs> can result in confusion. So, uh, as always, one of your co-hosts here, Eric Van Allen, alongside Kenneth Shepard. Ken, how are you doing this morning? I'm just vibing. It's, it's gross here in bumfuck nowhere, Georgia, and I'm just, you know, living in this nasty-ass fucking nowhere town, and that's, that's my day so far. It feels it's gross. It feels awful to be here. mood today. It's a mood. Yeah. <laughs> it fits with the rainy wilderness we're about to be in. Yeah, very true. That that third voice you hear on the podcast this week is Bryden Kex. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. It is also rainy and gloomy here, but... Uh, living in vancouver uh i'm used to that so i'm ready <laughs> uh, is, is why, it raining in austin uh it's kind no actually it's really sunny i don't know why well, i said kind fucking, of <laughs> i look this that's maybe showing that this is the first time i've looked outside today but uh that's I'm, okay i'm having a very reclusive saturday you know catching up on my media that i am watching and uh playing some near replicant at some point i'm very much looking forward to that but uh we're not here to talk about those things we're here to talk about the last of us because today we are doing the fall uh slash like jackson slash university eastern colorado section of the last of us but before we get into that bryden how would the folks at home know you and how did you get into the last of us uh so i work in video games from the PR slash marketing side. I've been doing that for about five or six years now. Um, so I feel like I'm not super, super public facing, but I'm on Twitter talking about stuff and, uh, you know, potentially helping uh, a project that you're interested in come to its launch. So that's my interest in the industry and kind of like involvement. But uh, when it comes to The Last of Us in particular, it's a series that I had a lot of love for, or still do have a lot of love for, but uh, was a big like Naughty Dog fan of like Uncharted games and stuff. And, and when The Last of Us Part One came out at the time, I, I feel like from a cinematic game experience, I was just like, whoa, what, what are we doing here? This is like <laughs> these characters with depth and all this, like to the extra level, the acting and all that. I was, I was having a moment at the time. And um, yeah, it's been really interesting because I haven't played the game since I played part two uh, when it came out, but I haven't played part one since uh, I guess 2014, 2014 was it? Um, mm -hmm. And so it's been a quite an interesting journey to go back and just be like, wow, yeah, video games time like the early 2010s and what like ps3 xbox 360 area games are in comparison or like even the uh comparables between like how close i thought part one and part two were and then like revisiting this and being like oh yeah no part two just is gameplay wise and, and so many other aspects just completely mm. evolved you know uh so yeah it's been it's been a treat to jump back in and I'm excited to talk about one of my favorite parts of part one, Paul. I feel like this is a section where I started to, again, start to notice a lot of, like, the the difference in, in game design between back then and now, because 
um, we'll, we'll get to the specifics of why in a little bit because we do have some prelude leading up to that. But um, this section obviously is, is generally considered fall, but it's kind of split up into two areas. And the first one is we're going to finally go see Tommy. And oh, oh lord, <laughs> like they, they build this up a little bit as we're walking up to the, the power plant. And I mean, you, you kind of just end up walking through a lot of environment and doing like a, a mild little puzzle with the palette and all that but it really feels like they're just kind of giving you menial tasks so that you can have all these like conversation bits where it's like hey uh tommy yeah how's that gonna go and you're getting kind of like some of the backstory into how um maybe joel why isn't joel hanging around with this brother right now they seemed really close at the beginning of the game what happened and all that um and and it, and it was it's a little nerve-wracking, to say the least. <laughs> How did you feel about, like, this opening section, Gap? Uh, that's... So, you kind of get left on the, the vague note of when it asks, like, what happened, Joel kind of vaguely mm-hmm. says, uh, we just saw the world differently, and that's why he went onto the Fireflies, and that's why he, like, we just kind of drifted apart. And so it does feel like it's deliberately leading you to think that this is going to be... Uh, I don't want to, I don't, I wouldn't say it's like trying to lead you to think that Tommy's going to be like the bad thing that we are going to see in the session of the game that we're going to have to deal with, but it does lead like that it's going to be, it's going to be tense in some way, and I was surprised at how it just decided to not lead with attention and like kind of let it slowly creep on when we finally do actually get up there, because the actual reunion scene is like pretty heartwarming and like one of the, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a nice, uh, you know, juxtaposition versus what we just saw, like, in uh, Pittsburgh, which, because, like, you know, we just came off, like, one of the most heart-wrenching scenes in the game, um, which, actually, we probably, before we even get to that, we do need to talk about, there is a uh, point where we come across a, a campsite, and then there's, like, a yep. small grave, and it's, mm-hmm. like, and Joel, like, remarks to himself, like, uh, that's, that's too small, or something like that, um, mm-hmm. and then Ellie remarks, like, oh, we should have left the rock, or the, uh, the robot, uh, on the grave, and then Joel's like tries to shut that, trying to shut the conversation down, and I was like, "No, I want to talk about this." And then Joel says, uh, "Things like this happen, and then we move on. That's how we survive." And I was like, "Or are you just avoiding your twenty years of trauma?" Mm-hmm. I I find that section interesting though, not just because it's like it will. First of all, it comes right after a moment where you can see how close these two have grown together. Like you know, the, you finish the the palette puzzle. And then you can, like, optionally high-five Ellie, which owns high-five buttons in all video games. <laughs> but um, right afterwards, like, the fa- so they see the grave, and, and Ellie remarks that she wanted to leave the robot on Sam's grave. And, like, obviously, yes, that means that, like, some time has passed, and she's at that moment now where she's like, oh, I wish I could have done this. But also, they did bury them. And I thought that was mm-hmm. interesting, too, where I was like... I would have assumed that if Joel was completely, like, just done with it, that they he would have just said, no, we're just leaving. We're walking out of this, like, place and never coming back. But he took. it seems like they took the time to actually dig graves and bury them and create grave sites for them. So, um, I, I think this is the planting of the seed that will later, like, come to fruition in this specific part of, of this section of the game in, in the Jackson area is, like... How is Joel managing his grief 
and mm-hmm. and is he ready to get over it or not because i think if he wasn't ready to get over it he would have just left them behind completely um i feel like that was kind of a signal raise that he's still trying to deal with um that stuff but in a way that seems like he could move on from it instead of just being consumed by it um i know brian how did you feel yeah it's i mean going back into this the the cut into them heading towards jackson is such a like it's it it is the like calm after an incredibly Mm. tragic scene um Mm -hmm. and reminding me of when i first played it just being like oh this game's gonna go for it it already did but like there are many gut punches coming or i'm i'm starting to prepare myself mentally you know still not prepared for what happens at the end of this part uh when it originally happened but uh yeah i i do like it's kind of there's this consistent building of you know joel not talking directly about just the kind of trauma that's happened or is happening or in the past Mm -hmm. but subconsciously doing actions or trying to make choices that i feel are him being aware but like not having the uh, i guess the ability to speak about them or try and kind of like untangle what is such a web of like years and years of trauma. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I like this like early part because it was very much showing again, their relationship continuing to build between Ellie and Joel, but also like a, a little bit of a break, but then, you know, not just leaving what just happened and going on. It was like, there was, there's these moments of Joel again, kind of just saying like, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> We're just yeah. going to keep going. I'm like, all right, Joel, this is a, this is a great strategy. We're just going to keep going back to it. All right. <laughs> Silence is an excellent coping mechanism, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, this game. Lots, lots of sad, sad stuff in this game. Dealing with shit. Um, we eventually get to the power plant area. Uh, we do get a new gun, the El Diablo. Um, Ken, did you like this gun? I'm just going to flat out ask. Do you think this gun is useful? Because I'm, I, I'm a big fan I, of it. Mm-mm. No, not for me. <laughs> I just, maybe it's because I've already upgraded my rifle at this point, but like, it's like a two-shot gun or something like that. And mm. I, I was just like, man, in, in the sections after this where we're actually starting to, to gunfight a little bit, I was trying to use it. And I was just like, oh man, I really wish i just had my rifle out instead because it holds more bullets that shoot more powerfully has a better scope and has better everything like there's nothing this handgun does that my rifle doesn't it's not like i have a lot of long guns to start with i actually realized at this point that i hadn't touched my rifle probably since boston and Mm. so having something with a scope on it was uh nice to have especially in some of these sections because i just haven't gone in without them for a long time because i like I've been saying, I've been most of my upgrades been going to like uh, my bow primarily, and mm. you know trying to have a more stealth-driven build. So yeah, I was like happy to have you know a, a something with a scope on it finally, and uh, I mean it, it's powerful. Like it, you can one-shot most things with it, and um, I, but I, I mean I would see like why why a rifle would be preferable. I think it'll be better to talk about weapons uh, when we get to later in this episode because there is like a point in this episode where we get. A toolbox that really opens up a lot of upgrades for mm. us and that was when i i feel like by the end of this episode i was starting to get into a rhythm with what weapons i was using and when but 
yeah, here when I picked up the El Diablo, I was like, oh, that's neat, but <laughs> I just don't think I'm going to use it. Um, we, we try to get into the power plant, and a bunch of guns get pointed at us. Um, bit of a standoff that seems aggressive until we hear a nice voice from the other side of the gate saying they're all right. Um, and it's Tommy. We found Tommy's people. Um, we, we have a... You know, there's like one tense second where you're like, what is going to happen? And then it's big hug. Mm. Uh, Tommy and Joel have a nice little reunion, making jokes and such. Uh, we also find out Tommy's married. Tommy married a girl named Maria. Um, which, I so we didn't mention it, or I forget if we mentioned it like leading into this, but like, was, were there kind of vague hints that Tommy was involved with Marlene in some way? Like... Was it was it intended um, to be that way? I don't know that it was ever like explicitly that way. I mean, that that might be a reading, but I think it was. I personally have never had the reading. I just thought that like he respected her as like a visionary for the Fireflies and. Okay, yeah. that's that's what I was wondering because like the way that Joel kind of phrased it, and then the remark that Tommy makes later on in this section where he's like, "Oh, you sound just like Marlene," that. I mean, it sounded familiar in a way that just made me, like, made a little signal radar dish go up. Like, huh, what's going on there? You, you speak like you know you know her a bit more than the average bear. So, um... Hmm. I mean, there, there have been implications that they've been close enough that, like, uh, like, when, like, even at the very beginning when Marlene was talking about how, like, Tommy ever said that if Marlene ever did anything, she'd come to Joel, and that was, you know... Uh, yeah. Like explaining yeah. That, that she, how she knew them to Ellie. Um, so I think, like, I don't know that it ever even, not even in part two, I don't think it really goes into, like, the depth of what Tommy's role was in the Fireflies, but it does seem that he was, like, high enough up to have a personal relationship of some kind with Marlene. Mm. Interesting. But he's married now. Sorry, sorry, everyone. Tommy's, Tommy's uh, hitched uh, to Maria, and we get to kind of explore their community and this is a like section that i really love because not only do we have that like happiness of the brothers being together and talking to each other and kind of you know sharing what they've been up to and all that but Mm -hmm. we get to kind of walk through this area that's living and like we haven't had that since the quarantine zone and honestly like even in the quarantine zone it was pretty bleak whereas here like People are just hanging out. People are talking. There's horses. We learned that Ellie used to ride horses. And there's, like, a dude who's overworking himself at the, the power plant, which maybe not a <laughs> not great in the current day and age. But um, it's, a, it's a cool little area that, like, it, it. I feel like it's the first moment I've had so far where this game felt populated. And... Mm obviously that's a bit of the intention with with what they're doing and and you know how they're trying to establish that tommy is building this community up and and has a power plant that he's trying to run for an actual community but um i just thought it was a really really cool standout moment what did y'all think i guess bump it to bry first yeah it's it's a nice stop and i think like especially after um what is a lot of gameplay you know when you're going through pittsburgh and everything it's nice to just kind Mm -hmm. of interact with Mm. humans that are friendly and see like some sort of uh less bleak scenario of how people can work together and that there is like you know so like groups that are trying to make communities and spaces that are 
that are protected and safe or like trying to continue to grow. Uh, so I, I, I remember specifically like going back to this, it was the same feeling, but even more so when I originally played it, it was very much like this nice break from what felt like a, a pretty consistent, just like trudge through a lot of, a lot of enemies and a lot mm. of like uh, intense kind of encounters with other humans in the game. Right. Yeah, I've, something that always struck out to me about the Jackson session is that, like, for all, like, the criticism, or it's not even necessarily criticism, it's just kind of, like, speaking uh, kind of very matter-of-factly that, like, The Last of Us is, quote, like a, like a seemingly, like, nihilistic series that yeah. has, like, a lot of, uh, mm. you know, it shows the worst of humanity. Like, it does, to its credit, treat Jackson as, like, frames it in sort of ways, like, this is the ideal, this is the kind of uh, thing we want to see out of the command of this world. Like, that, that, I, I guess that's what, that's what sticks out to me about it, is that, like, for all, like, the sort of again, like Joel comes from the perspective that nothing, can, nothing can be better. This is as good a thing that we're gonna get, and it, like it just shows that like if you actually try and like you actually like find people that are of the like mind and like want to have more than just fucking ration cards that are in this fucking military-driven quarantine zone, it's possible. And maybe that's you know something like I know like the sort of like grander aspirations of the first game is that like the world can be completely repaired or to some extent, mm-hmm. or, like, you know, that Ellie could maybe lead to something, like, a complete restoration of things, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's nice to find a, a community in this game that is maybe not, doesn't have these grand aspirations, but has, like, this very uh, concentrated, smaller aspirations that they're just, like, we're gonna make the best of what we got, and we, we're all gonna be here for each other, we're going to uh, care for each other, and create what is basically, like, the closest thing to, like, an, an almost idyllic American small town, and yeah, and I think we'll, we'll see it even more concretely in part two, and, you know, we'll get to that when we get to that. But, yeah, I just, like, it, it is a moment of, like, reprieve from all of the, like, the terrible awful that has been the majority of the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see that at, like, a midpoint, too, because, I mean, the Fireflies going to try and, and get to them, to me, is very much... It's not tropey, but it is kind of in the, like, post-apocalyptic like style of, like, if we head out in this direction maybe one day we'll get to this like place that might not be real or mm-hmm. thing like that's such a consistent uh and kind of like story beat in in you know uh yeah. stories that tie around these type of themes but mm-hmm. jackson is an example of like and there's other ones too with you know notes found like obviously there's some pretty bleak stuff that the game's presented prior to this point but yeah you you're passing by a fully functioning town that obviously has their struggles but uh they're existing in a way that is not as uh completely dire as like the uh the the zones that you were you were in the beginning of the game so yeah and i think it makes what's to come like hit a little bit harder because i think if this was just you know an encampment of survivors and tents and stuff like that it'd be one thing but as as we get to it later like jackson being this functioning society makes it like like makes the the choices there to come a lot more difficult to deal with because eventually you know like we have ellie uh goes off with maria to go get some food while tommy and joel go to uh watch the power plant be turned on they're gonna like observe the power plant being activated finally uh and before we do get there we do get one little moment between them where tommy has a photo of joel he says that he went down to texas at some point and um and went through their stuff and and most of it was gone but he did find 
an old weathered photo of Joel and Sarah, his his daughter. Um, and please tell me that it was completely mandatory that we give it back. Yes. Because, yeah. okay. Because <laughs> I was really worried I made some kind of choice. <laughs> I literally stood there and the game was telling me like, hey, hit triangle now and do it. I was like, no, so what, what if that gives the photo back? I wanted to keep the photo. <laughs> but no, that's not, the, uh, that's not the story we're telling here. Um, I mean, Ken, I know you and I have had this talk before about how The Last of Us is not necessarily a choice-driven game. It is you were playing a character, mm. and um, that character is going to make certain choices that are maybe outside of your control. And um, because that's the story that, that is being told about this character. And, and in mm. this case, Joel rejects the idea of even hanging on to a photo of the past. Um, yeah once again still not ready to deal with it it's a bummer I do like too that it's also one that you've seen earlier in the yeah. game mm-hmm. as well uh, and kind of calling back to you being in that space and kind of seeing their life like it's a mm. it's a fragment that you also uh, even if it was super brief in that intro you also saw too so mm-hmm. eventually we uh, we sit down with with Tommy um, first we get the plant running again and then lights are going and you know it's excellent there's also a dog I forgot I'm glad you put a note in here Ken uh, <laughs> the dog was good I'm glad we can pet the dog in the last of us <laughs> um, but then we finally have our sit down with Tommy where we tell him what the situation is you know we tell him uh, Ellie's immune um, and we're trying to get her to the fireflies and we assume that because Tommy would know where the fireflies are um you know we'll be able to figure it out but i think this is this is the part where i kind of realized that maybe joel had different intentions than what i thought there was because i thought the assumption was we were going to get tommy's help to take ellie to the fireflies but Mm -hmm. instead yeah um he wants to just ditch ellie with tommy and have tommy take her the rest of the way um and that was a bit of a surprise to me. I don't know about y'all, but <laughs> um, I yeah, yeah. I it, it is one of those moments where like you kind of have to reckon with the fact that like a, the character that you, that you are playing is sometimes diametrically opposed to what you want, and that is mm-hmm. a running theme of The Last of Us. And I think it is very intentional to like kind of have that tension between not only the characters but also like you and the, the character that you're playing, um, and. Uh, I don't know, like, it, it's it's one of those things where, like, it kind of gets back to where he, he was even before this, talking about how like, he doesn't like to think about the past, he doesn't like to talk about it, and it's one of those things where, like, th- there have been scenes where, like, you've seen him kind of, like, look at his, his broken watch when Ellie does something that reminds him of Sarah or something like that, and, you know, while it feels like up to this point we're getting, like, these characters are starting to go closer, and maybe some of that uh, cynicism is starting to, to wash away, you're like, no, he's just bearing with it until he can get away from it this thing that has to remind him of the past and that's why you know seconds late, seconds prior he handed back the photo and like he does anything he can to get away from things that make him have to relive things that he's de- trying desperately to forget yeah it's uh we'll put we'll put a pen in the rest of it in a minute but because mm-hmm. yeah we'll yeah. have to resolve it later i i do think as well there is that like joel on on his guard and then kind of slipping into comforts uh, when you're just kind of walking around of Ellie and you're seeing, like you said, that that 
that different side of him that he's trying so hard to kind of push uh, push down. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel in this space, at least for me, it was very much like, one, there's this strong brother like dynamic that just clicks back in like the the aggro-ness of Joel here is very mm. much like oh you feel like you have the you can pull these and you're you're just going for it because mm. obviously whatever relationship they've had over the time from when we last saw them together like there there is this guy Joel is is kind of slipping back into a space where he feels he can kind of just boss Tommy mm. around a little mm-hmm. bit uh and then as well though I I mean, I don't think it's as uh, super forward here, but I do feel there's a part of Joel that's like, I need to stop. Like, I need, I'm getting, I'm getting attached in certain ways, and mm-hmm. I need to like, I need to abort. Like, right. there's certain points where I think he's like, we'll see later in this episode too that he has, a, he has changed his heart on that topic. But uh, I do think there is this kind of like deep down feeling where he is like danger danger Mm -hmm. this is not good i can't get this out i can't articulate this in a way that i could you know tell tommy or tell uh ellie but like i need to leave (laughs) like i i shouldn't i shouldn't move forward with this and tommy like he he also mentions like i trust tommy more than i trust myself a little bit later Mm -hmm. and i think that that's such a clear description i think as well of how he feels about his own control over decision making or how like Right. how much of his past can just kind of come back in a flash too. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I, mm, I'm thinking about a lot of things right now, but, but one of the main <laughs> things um, I'm thinking about is how you can also see how Joel is like visibly grayed in this, in this section yeah. more than others. And obviously I feel like that's a bit dramatized. Like, you know, he, he was maybe salt and pepper earlier, but now he's like all salt <laughs> in this <laughs> section. And I'm like, wow, they, they really want you to like notice that Joel is getting older, um, which again will play into the things that are going to happen in this section. But um, he's not the, the firecracker he used to be, especially when he was running around with Tommy. And you know, Tommy, when, when Tommy confronts him and says, no, I'm not going to do that, um, I'm going to stay here at the community it's what matters to me we can't just up and leave um joel starts going off about like all those years you survived because of me like you know we kind of get the inclination again from that the section we had in pittsburgh i believe where where joel makes the comment about the ambush and says like oh uh you know Mm -hmm. i've been on both sides of that we're getting more hints of his unsavory past that like um Tommy might have had to participate in that as well, that he would have participated alongside Joel. And, um, and you know, Tommy's like, it wasn't worth it to survive through that. Um, and they're just going back and forth, and all of a sudden some sirens go off um, and, and we're under attack, and it interrupts the whole argument. But, of course, Tommy gets one last quip in before we get out. He says, you still remember how to kill, right? Um, mm. Which I think is then interesting because, like... Obviously, Tommy's about to go shoot people, too, right? Like, it's not mm-hmm. like he's saying, hey, Joel, go take care of this. He's he's like, Joel, let's, you know, just go do stuff. But I feel like the implication right there sets it out already that, like, Tommy is willing to do this for for what he believes in. And he's defending his home and all mm-hmm. that. Whereas for Joel, it, it hasn't really changed from those years. Um, right. And then we do a whole lot of shooting. 
<laughs> like just so much shooting um as that's maybe one section one thing that i wanted to bring up about this jackson section in particular is it's a really good like drama sequence mm-hmm. that feels unnecessarily broken up by combat like it feels almost arbitrarily broken up by combat because like first we have the sirens go off the interrupt our, our argument which i guess they needed some way to like cut it off there so that way tommy could have a change of heart after um the end of this section mm-hmm. so you know like okay i can kind of you know they were planting the seeds they're like oh you know we've had some bandit attacks and stuff like that so i was like okay we're gonna we're gonna turn this power plant on and then some bandits are gonna attack we're walking past like four different rooms of waist high cover i know what's coming mm-hmm. but yeah <laughs> also just like, the mm. I just want to jump in real quick and say that was a thing too where seeing all the kind of arenas in this were part part two comparatively I was like well it's way more smooth when it comes to just kind of entering into space where you're like combat might happen here this game is like oh I just came down off of this ledge where there's these angled boxes (laughs) and certain stuff you're like (laughs) even even when you're walking through the power plant area I was like oh we're gonna fight here later mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. like there it wouldn't be designed this way and it's like lo and behold yeah <laughs> no. yeah that's that's why i was gonna ask ken was like you know we've talked before about how the gameplay design of the two games uh last of us and last of us part two are very like you know they contrast each other very much they're two different almost generations of mm-hmm. game design but that's like as i was walking through here i was like man tommy you got a future in level design dude <laughs> <You can> re- <laughs> these are some great combat arenas um but yeah it's like does that does that change a lot moving moving forward at all especially in this game like yeah i feel like at this point in some sections definitely we walk into them and we walk into the combat arenas but it feels like the game is kind of getting to a point where it's like yeah this this area is clearly a combat arena like you're gonna do combat shit here and then if it doesn't have any of this stuff that means it's a story area we get to do story Mm. stuff here yay like thinking hmm. forward i won't like i don't feel like there's anything as blatant as yeah. as this section is, just because like the sort of uh, encounters that we're gonna have in like the next few episodes are not really the, the the spaces for combat and spaces for story are like very deliberately kept apart, mm-hmm. and um, so I don't really think that there's anything that's gonna be as like you know we'll be walking through a story section and be like oh this this is clearly laid out for something else and mm-hmm. yeah like and, and I know that they did like sort of uh, quote unquote justify it like as as we were walking like oh they've had bandit bandit attacks and it does like play into the ways that like Tommy's gonna have a change of heart in a minute and so like it all it all you know it kind of makes sense when the confines of what's happening but it is kind of just like a silly thing that like if you play enough video games you're gonna see like you you were gonna be aware of that something is going to happen here before it actually does it's it's fun um but that is the other thing is that like throughout this section we have this part we have the part that's coming up um where you're moving through the wilderness and then immediately after that with the house where three times in a row this game is like hey by the way <laughs> did you forget that there's combat in this video game mm-hmm. and i think we were talking before like like sometime yesterday the idea of you know there's the last of us uh adaptation is in production right. and this seems like an area where they would just look at this and go okay just cut out all the combat and honestly i feel like it would have moved along at a better pace mm-hmm. because of that um so i don't know this is this is maybe the part where i feel like the last of us 
becomes too video gamey for its own good mm-hmm. where where they have this extremely good drama section where i feel like even if they made it nowadays they might have not had any combat in this yeah. area and just purely had it be one really long story section but even back in like the ps3 era the thought of doing something like that was still right. a little untoward i don't know yeah and, and i think like even thinking forward to parts of part two there are like longer stretches of no combat in that game and i feel like it feels you know deliberate in that way that like, mm-hmm. like oh we have weird they have a very designated section for character and relationship building and environmental storytelling so we're just going to not have a clicker show up and it's gonna be great and um <laughs> so yeah it, it, it will, it's one of those things where, like did you need to put this in there or did you feel like an obligation or pressure to feel to put this mm-hmm. in here yeah i feel like this game is and and we'll talk about this at the very end of this episode but i feel like it's a game where if it was if it was remade (laughs) but um it's it's done well enough that i feel like the combat is so scrappy and fight for your life that the introduction of combat can become a really useful tool for drama Mm. um and for storytelling and so almost like i know this might sound like you know like heresy but like scaling back the number of combat encounters you have in this game could then like radically ratchet up how dangerous they feel when you're in them and Mm. how like i think about this area and if you had no encounters whatsoever in it and then you eventually get to the uec that we get to later and, and you get to the section in the dorms where all of a sudden you're in combat and it's like oh, now you are freaking out because, holy crap. (laughs) But we'll get to that. Um, To go back to where we were, we get through our gunfight with the bandits, um, and as Tommy checks on Maria, uh, we kind of see him pause and look over at Joel, who is having a moment with Ellie, where where Ellie, as we have fought our way back through a bunch of bandits to the office where Maria and Ellie have had holed up and we're, we're shooting some dudes from... And Ellie is describing all all these dudes coming in that she was shooting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she's you know totally still on an adrenaline kick from it. And Joel's just like, calm down, calm down. Are you okay? Are you all right? Did you get hurt? And I feel like that's the moment where Tommy goes, like you know, he audibly goes like, ah, oh, shit. You know, yeah. like that's he knows what he's what he has to do now. Um, and it immediately cuts to Maria just like yelling at at him and you know typical uh fight about no you you're not going to do this you're not going to leave us and ellie and joel are sitting there watching it really awkwardly (laughs) and ellie obviously uh knows what's up she's like is that about me is 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 what's going on and uh she gets frustrated when joel won't answer her and walks away uh tommy is like look you know it's gonna it's gonna happen maria you know storms off but not before stopping and telling joel if anything happens to tommy it's on him um and then as right as we're about to leave uh we find out that ellie has stolen one of the horses and taken off and so we gotta ride off after her to figure out what's going on um horses rule the second (laughs) i i strongly wish there had been a horse companion throughout all of this game i'm just gonna put that out Mm. there (laughs) I'm a big fan of the horse that they introduce here. I understand there is more of that in Last of Us Part Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'm very excited for Last of Us Part Two now. Section, your own horseback. 
Lots of horses confirmed. Yeah. Good, good. That's what we need in this video game. Not enough horses, but um, yeah, it's it's this big dramatic moment where obviously like we we think we've we've solved it, and then we got to go storming off into the woods to go chase after Ellie, uh, following her tracks. It's like very um, dramatic, you know, uh, thundering through the the woods and all that. We fight some raiders because I felt like literally the video game was like, man, we should probably put a raider encounter here. <laughs> and we need to stop this narrative again for a second to, to slow this down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then after we kill some dudes that really... I didn't even understand what the point of having them there was because I feel like the, the tracks like kind of went through the area and Joel was like, hope they didn't get her. And I was like, what do you mean? There were like 15 dudes here and like explosives and stuff if she came through here like she'd be lying dead on the ground in front of you like that i mm, i I don't know i was just kind of like it felt very plain that they were like oh let's put some combat here um and then we get to a house where we find uh the horse tied up and so as tommy watches the door we go in to have a talk with ellie um in what is i think probably one of the most well-known scenes in this video game honestly it's the one that i've seen before you know having not really played this game myself just absorbed it through cultural osmosis um it's one of the ones that i know very well and i feel like this is one of the scenes that whenever people would talk about how good the last of us is it's the one that gets propped up um where Ellie confronts Joel about wanting to to leave her with Tommy and head off and and Ellie reveals that she knows about Sarah. Maria told her about Sarah. Um and and Joel, you know, replies back like, you know, don't don't pull that. Um yeah, I mean, this is a really complex conversation to get into because there's a lot happening in it. I mean, it starts out with the thing about her reading through this girl's diary. And she's saying, like, this is all they talked about was boys and movies and skirts and stuff. Um, yeah. And Joel is like, what are you what are you talking about? Like, we got to leave. Ellie's like, no, I'm not going. And Ellie's like, even or Joel says, like, do you even realize what your life means? Like, there's arguing back and forth. And then it comes to Sarah. And that's kind of the conflict in this part is Joel wants to leave, leave Ellie behind. And you can tell that that's part of, like, he almost doesn't want to go through what he went through with Sarah one more time. He can feel himself like starting to care about a person and even disregarding Sarah, like we've had Tess die and I, I, you know, it's hard to imagine that the death of Henry and Sam didn't have an effect on Joel either. Uh, And he's just bottling that all up too. So that's just adding to the (laughs) like rumbling can of emotions inside this old man and uh but ellie like turns it on him is like everyone i know has died or or left you are the only one left you are not going to leave me and uh damn it hits this is a really really good cut scene like i feel like it's just a good scene like honestly if you wanted to prop up i know that like last of us can get some criticism sometimes for being like too cinematic like too movie like you know, it's it's too it's trying to be a, a a feature film or prestige television or whatever, but this is legitimately good writing. Like it's just good writing, it's good acting, it's good mocap, and it's a good scene. And 
honestly it feels earned because of the gameplay that's led into it and so maybe that's the one thing i took away from this cutscene was that like if the last of us was just cutscenes like this i I would feel that this was a little over the top a little bit much but like this this whole section we've been doing the high five with ellie and Mm. we've had like the moment where we can stop and look at the grave and lots of moments of talking to her and 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 her learning how to whistle and just ambient moments in the world where this character has become something and now she's rightfully turning it on our player character saying like you are trying to leave me right now and you are not going to do that um it was a bit of a moment i don't know brian how'd you feel about this this big scene in the house yeah i mean you were mentioning it before uh in regards to there being a lot of gameplay, but whenever there was Ellie and, and, and Joel exploring together, like, you know, these these moments where this happens, where there's, like, they really hit it uh, with the writing, and they've built that out over hours of you just kind of getting closer to these characters. I, uh, I was, I don't want to say necessarily skeptical, but, like, as I was kind of joking at the beginning, this game was that. It was the prestige television, <laughs> you know, video game that was was big because it was doing stuff in the kind of writing or or at least positioning itself in that way uh to be that but yeah this to me i I really love like the fact that ellie does present her side and it it really does kind of stop joel's train of thought where i think he can be very stubborn or just kind of drive through other people's feelings or what they're what they're kind of going through at certain points this is one of those like it, it distinctly changes the direction of what his actions are uh and it's done in such a short like scene where as you were describing eric there's so many different things happening all at once it's like back and forth and just landing on that point and and what that what that does i think for for joel and kind of his commitment to ellie and to what the original i guess mission was uh it still really really lands for me can <laughs> i had um i had a, like a, a series of thoughts like about this specifically around like both how much ellie has kind of like had to grow up in like a very short amount of time to like you know she's but also like realizing that she is still very young in this point like it, it kind of because like her com- her comment about sarah it still feels like so like a child that does not realize that when they have said something up that's like one step too far and they don't understand because like yeah. they, they are feeling their emotion so strongly that they don't realize that that is like incredibly fucking inappropriate to just be like hey i'm not your dead daughter and like not realize that the gravity of that is like kind of like i mean i I guess she does actually realize at this point that that is like the root of why he is so Uh walled off so does not like to linger on the past and things that have happened to all the friends they've had throughout the whole game so far but um and but i was also just caught off by like how cold it gets so fast because joel like the, the, the fight that's happening before Sarah gets brought up is, like, very clearly just, like, two people just, like, throwing all out there just not listening to each other and just, like, very stuck in their ways. But then the second Sarah's name gets brought up, like, it's just, like, Joel shuts down so hard to the point where he's, like, I'm going to cut to the jugular just as much as you are because uh, there's that, that last part where um, he says, uh, you're right, you're not my daughter, and I'm sh- and I sure as hell ain't your dad, which we actually did not speak about yet. Um, and we were going oh. through ways, like, just puts his foot down. It's like, I'm not entertaining what you think that you know about loss in this world and but like she's and you know that's kind of like part of uh part of her, her character is that like she has lost a lot of people just as much as joel has and 
you know, that sort of insistence that because he has been around longer, he has a more story history with, like, uh, experience with loss, and, like, Ellie will never know what it's like to lose a child, etc. Um, just, like, these two people that, like, know each other well enough to know exactly what to say to hurt, hurt each other. Yeah. And just, like, that, that I think, is what makes, uh, what comes, like, well, let's, let's put a pen in that and, like, get, get to what happens next. I, I just wanted to note that, like, I'm glad you brought that line up because, like, the line that comes directly before it from Ellie is her expressing the first bit of vulnerability, I feel like, in this in this standoff because at first they're just kind of, like, levying accusations against each other right. and just being mad. Then she says, everyone I've ever cared about has either died or left me, everyone except for you, so don't tell me I would be safe with someone else because the truth is I would just be more scared. And, like, that's a real... Like, that's a moment where she is not throwing an accusation, necessarily, at Joel. Like, she is opening up, too. She's saying, like, I don't know if I can do this without you there. And Joel just completely shoots it down. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's... Right. Because it's just, like, if he... Yeah. Just because, like, if he meets her on that level, that means he has to, like, acknowledge that he is allowing himself to be as close to her as he was to Sarah, as Mm -hmm. he is to anybody. And there's there's exactly. an element too I feel like of, of replacement almost like mm. like Joel would you have to wonder if Joel feels guilt in the moment right. too because like you know if you let yourself have that sort of relationship with somebody else you know do you feel like you're replacing someone in your life and that's a really really complicated emotion to deal mm. with yeah, um, he's, he's dealing with so many different angles on this too where mm-hmm. I'm sure it feels like again it's it's hard like he's not laying it all out but as you're kind of playing through you see him have those moments of guilt have those moments of like actually letting himself enjoy a moment too and mm-hmm. uh yeah the other thing as well is that like we're looking back at this now with part two and, mm-hmm. and knowing ellie and knowing every you know a lot of the player experience of ellie but at this point it's player playing as joel for so long so i feel like even more so for me uh I really, really appreciate like Ellie being able to be vulnerable in that type of way and speak, like even though it is biting in a cold way towards Joel. Because uh, I'm not saying at everyone, but you know, Joel's thoughts are even if they're against what the players' thoughts are, there was a lot of alignment at certain points. I think, especially in the initial playthrough. Mm. So seeing that too is something that I think is was made the scene even more powerful. Like the first time that yeah. I, I saw it, because. It, it's just, you know, kind of stopping him in his tracks a bit, so. Um, of course, bandits come in to, to ruin the moment. <laughs> and we we murder a bunch of bandits. And uh, then as we're having this horse ride back, uh, we get back to to Jackson. It's, it's very quiet. No one's talking. Everyone's kind of in their, their mood. Uh, and it, we're looking out over Jackson. It's completely lit up. Like there are lights and everything. Mm-hmm. And then Tommy says, "Like kids will be watching movies tonight." And that part like gut punched me a little bit because I was just like, "Fuck, man!" Like it's been decades since the apocalypse, mm-hmm. and now like kids will be watching movies tonight. I was just saying, they're like, "Holy shit!" Like yeah. that's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's a thing, and um. Joel, you know, asks Tommy, where's the lab at? He tells him, Eastern Colorado. I like that Joel makes the little go big horns. <laughs> like, that's, this is maybe, again, reading a little much into it, but that's like, I'm living in the South, 
like that mm-hmm. is a little bit of a thing is that you totally know what all the different mascots and stuff are and so you go like like if i heard them say something like you know another school i'd be like you yeah, know go bobcats <laughs> go yeah. i mean heck ut is ut is uh, longhorns so like um you know you'd say like hook em horns or something like that but it's it was a very southern dad thing to yeah. do that i was just like oh god damn it joel i love you <laughs> <laughs> mm. um but then he tells ellie to get off her horse um and tommy's like what's up and and joel's just like you know he makes a joke and he's like nah i'm, I'm going and and tommy even is like hey come to town discuss it um and and joel's like no no mine's made up i'm going uh and as as he's taken off you and tommy makes a note of like you know there's there's a place for here there's a place for you here if you ever want it mm-hmm. um yeah. and that's the parting moment is I, I i almost like it is in that it's not this like second big dramatic moment compared to the the yeah. house scene like it is just joel it's joel doing what joel does like he's yeah. he would never make it a big dramatic speech or whatever he's just like decided what he's going to do and he's going to do it now um mm. but the the thing i put a pin in earlier was just like seeing jackson because at, at first we only saw the power plant and the power right. plant is like it's good it's nice but it's still very walking dead you know like you know, no. people holding up in a place that isn't really meant for human habilitation they're just trying to make it by but jackson is it it looks like a city it looks like mm. civilization and mm. Joel, I, I think the fact that Joel doesn't even want to like stop and stay the night there says a lot because I think there would be a temptation to not go through with his quest or whatever mm. if he did. Um, that was my read of it. But Ken, how did you feel about this resolution here to Jackson? Yeah, I did also appreciate that there wasn't like they didn't have to have like a conversation reconciling, just that like they ended up kind of telling a change of mood by just constantly kind of like panning through these uh, different environments that we're going through but like showing Joel's expression kind of like in thought and uh, gradually you know by the time like you said by the time they got there he was just kind of you know a little bit uh, more chilled out just like mellow like just makes the jokes that he does but he's just kind of like this is the only way that I know how to like communicate that I am apologizing for something and just, you know, tell us Ellie, you know, just get off the horse, we're gonna go, and, um, I, I, I do think, like, if it had been, like, going from Tommy to Maria to Ellie, like, all these different, like, loud, boisterous conflicts happening, and, like, yelling at each other, it was like, I don't know, that's the fourth time it's gonna be, like, loud, it's just kind of, like, makes it kind of blend together, and, you know, just, it's an entire chapter of people being mad at each other, but, um, uh, so it, I did appreciate that they just went the route of, like, quiet, uh, reconciliation yeah i also feel too like you know we mentioned it before but that scene where we're kind of seeing camera over tommy's shoulder looking at joel and ellie after the Mm -hmm. the power plant conflict like Uh it speaks so much to i think their relationship and how much he knows joel and how he sees the way that they're interacting in this moment of like relief uh Mm -hmm. that when you get to this moment here and you get to him obviously hearing stuff in the house and everything too that there's not much that needs to be said. Like they're already, uh, they already know each other so well too, that he right. knows like you mentioned already, but uh, the way that Joel is. And right. uh, I think there is that extension that you can come, you can stay the night. But when, when that, when Joel goes that way and they decide to leave, yeah, I feel like it's a, 
good end to this whole whole section specifically because it feels like it fits with like especially the brothers kind of re-engaging with each other fighting but understanding each other and trying you know mm -hmm. like there's mm -hmm. a rec reconciliation there a bit of uh after you know not seeing each other for years so yeah and i think that's even that even speaks to like when you like even me and my brother like barely like there are conversations that we can have like barely speaking or like just no be on the same wavelength to the point where we don't have to have you know the long conversation explaining our thoughts on something but things just kind of like we know each other well enough to just navigate that kind of relationship and i think that's you know a good way of going like i think that is very saying a lot with very little just because like they are on that mm -hmm. level yep 100%. yeah i before we move on to to uec um the one other thing i wanted to note was I, i'm glad you brought up like the idea of camera because i've been thinking a lot about that um because for some reason i've been thinking about god of war recently and like god of war 2018 where it was a big thing that the camera always followed kratos and, you know it's, it's kind of a similar you know it's not the completely the same story but it is like gruff angry dad and precocious small child trying mm. to get through a bunch of hardships together so a lot of people have drawn obvious comparisons between the last of us and god of war 2018 um but in god of war i felt like you were kind of posed to be going through it with kratos together and the idea was generally like you know, the camera constantly follows him you know it's like one mm. unbroken shot where you are always following kratos in some way um but the last of us even though you are following joel at least mm. in in these sections we have so far um hint hint <laughs> mm. the uh the camera cuts the camera like looks at these characters from other perspectives mm -hmm. and i feel like the moments that it does are very significant right um, yeah, because okay. of that and, and that was one moment where you do almost have like an out-of-body experience uh right. to what you're used to because now you're like you're looking at this relationship from a from an outside lens and and seeing it from tommy's perspective and that mm -hmm. did like totally change the way that I was looking at this was I was like, well, yeah, these are, you know, we're, we're driving these characters maybe, but we're not the ones making their choices. We're not the ones, you know, doing the things like they're kind of interacting and we're seeing their relationship grow. Like we're this third omniscient party that is maybe guiding them through all this, but we're not supposed to maybe necessarily place ourselves in the shoes of, of Joel. We're supposed mm -hmm. to see how Joel grows and how Ellie grows and how the two grow together. And maybe like, we're just the force between them. I don't know. I'm getting very spiritual all of a sudden. But <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I think, yeah. you know, we are in an era of video games where you can think about things like, what does the camera mean? Mm. I mean, games have always had interesting use of camera. You go back to like Resident Evil, like the original one and stuff like that. But um, using it for narrative purposes is very interesting. Mm. Um, so we go to UEC, University of Eastern Colorado. Uh, we open on Joel and Ellie riding in on a horseback with Joel patiently explaining the rules of football. Okay, so it was football. <laughs> so, okay, all right. Wait, I'm, what? I'm Ken, you... Did, have you... Has anything you've known about me in the past seven years ever told like told you that I might know that somebody's talking about football if I come into the middle of their explanation of it? I thought you would understand what fourth down means. I don't know what that means. I've never heard that before. So the team that's on so, offense so, so, has so, 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 four so downs to advance the ball ten yards or further to get a reset of downs. It's it's kind of like what in baseball. 
a, a down is so a down is like a play okay so okay. like the easiest way i've found to ever think about sports all right is that you give somebody an opportunity to score but you're not going to sit there all day until they score right everybody's got to have a fair shot but if they can't score then they deserve to win right Okay. baseball is the same way you know you get an at bat but you can get struck out or you can hit a ball but the outfield catches it so you didn't hit the ball well enough so you don't get to advance football is that way where you have four attempts to to progress the ball 10 yards or further down the field if you can't manage that then it's time to give up the ball and hand it to the other team so that's what downs are is you have four downs to get it four attempts to get it 10 yards down the field and if you can't do that you got to get rid of that ball uh so that's how it y'all works. Think, that's you think yeah. football survive the apocalypse you think people still play football oh absolutely 100 percent. well at least they know what it is they I, I don't know if they play organized football but there are definitely kids who have footballs and they're throwing them around in the backyard and stuff like that they're playing like you know two-hand touch and all that kind of stuff so they're they're absolutely like that's one of the things that's great about sports is you just need the ball and you can just kind of play it anywhere i mean we already had that with the soccer scene in pittsburgh Mm -hmm. like that stuff is just universal because you (laughs) say say if in a further game a playstation vita existed (laughs) you you would need some sort of like electrical power and game disc and computers and machinery to make that happen but to play football you just need a football and that's it Ken, I'm going to patiently explain football to you one day <laughs> on a horse at the University of Eastern Colorado. <laughs> okay, Dad. Beautiful um, description. <laughs> uh, that's this will be our new Patreon bonus. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, this area is kind of weird because, um, and I'm glad you mentioned in your notes here that it's like kind of a precursor to what Naughty Dog would eventually be doing with stuff like Uncharted 4. Mm. This is like an open area, and this did two things for me. One, uh, like I kind of enjoyed the fact that it was, you know, it, it, it amped up maybe the atmosphere and the dread of like, uh, you know, are there actually fireflies here or not? Because obviously we roll in and it doesn't look like the humming hub of community that Jackson was. Like, mm-hmm. there, this place looks abandoned as hell, like we've been seeing for a while. But the other aspect is um, I was terrified the whole time that I was going to miss things. Yeah. And so I felt like I spent about twice as much time as I needed to just scouring corners for things that honestly, like, all I really did was just ensure that I had the max amount of consumables and and like crafted items plus like the max number I could have to re craft stuff as I used it. And, you know, there's some notes and stuff, but I feel like you mostly find them along the critical path. Whereas yeah. most even even things like the training manual and the toolbox that we get in this area, I felt like we're pretty on the critical path. Whereas um like really i think the only thing you could reasonably walk past is like one workbench is in this area that's kind of in a little like workshop area but even then like it's really obvious every time you see a workbench because it's this like weird desk in the middle of nowhere that has the world's brightest desk lamp on it so um i i don't know i felt two ways about this 
where it was cool, but it was also like so different that I was anxious the whole time. I think it does at least a good enough job of like taking you where you need to go and making sure you see shit. But like you know, it is it is possible to miss things, but I think they do. And I think like I think the game at this point has trained you enough to like go off the beaten path and look for shit. So where by this point you are made well aware of that there are, there is more for you to see than uh, just heading forward. Um, what I did appreciate though is that the open space meant that like the encounters uh, with infected were so spread out that there was a lot of time for mm-hmm. Joel and Ellie to actually kind of like settle into the new dynamic because like yes this yeah. is basically the point where they're like admitting to each other the sort of like familial bond they have or are starting to grow because like you know we come in and Joel's teaching or telling Ellie about football and there's they have a conversation later where they're talking about like college like why why do people come here and Ellie knows like the mechanics of college like you go here to earn a degree to get an education but then Joel is like I can give you like the cultural touchstones of it like no, this is also where people kind of come to find themselves and like you know explore new cultures that they have not seen before and you know congregate in a way that uh, they might not have had to had the opportunity to at that point um, so then it leads to a conversation where Ellie's like, I think I would have wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> just, just, just put a pin in that for Yeah, for, an for episode. Last of Us Part 2, <laughs> basically, like, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, then Joel tells her that uh, he wanted to be a singer. And then she's like, so you're going to sing for me? And she, he's like, no, Joel, please. So good. Like, like, because they're now, like, at this point where, like, they're so friendly with each other that they can start establishing, like... It, to an extent, like, you know, they've been fairly chummy with each other through this point, but, like, there's been that wall between them that Joel's put up that he's like, I'm going to be nice and nice with this person because we're going to be stuck with each other for a while. But here they're starting to, like, show touchstones of a relationship that they could eventually have and, like, you know, common interests and things that, like, Joel, like, maybe won't, wants to teach her to play guitar one day. And so I did like that there was, like, these, this uh, this section was big enough in in scope that like there was time for them to kind of like have these um, sections of banter and uh, for Joel to in the most kind way he usually, he has at this point like ex- like explain things about the world before because a lot of the time like even like back as far back as like Bill's town like she asks questions that he's like very dismissive he doesn't give a fuck he's just trying to do his job uh, but now that's not the case anymore so yeah it's not on and off in like brief moments it's it's consistent mm-hmm. and like it, it's it's super endearing between them as two characters and and i do appreciate as well like the slight notes of them talking about a future where right. they're not doing what they're doing mm-hmm. and that they could they would be in each other's presence and right. be able to enjoy things that they appreciate or or just kind of show each other more stuff or mm-hmm. yeah not not just be on on the road consistently so right yeah, um, this this whole section in the UEC leading up to the actual science building that we get into eventually is like really interesting for me. It was like obviously I, I kind of knew that something was coming because I knew like what the change was in winter that happens. Mm-hmm. So I knew that something was going to happen eventually. It's almost like God, this is such a dumb joke. But have you all seen Hot Tub Time Machine? Yes. Yes, um, but. I cannot recollect. <laughs> there's there's a character that they meet at the beginning of the movie that's like the bellhop, and he only has a single arm. And when they go back in time in the hot tub time machine, uh, he has two arms. And so it's like a running gag throughout the movie that like he keeps getting in increasingly dangerous situations where like he's literally <laughs> juggling chainsaws. They're like, oh my god, is this how it's going to happen? And 
it's probably not a joke that would fly by today's standards, but the ridiculous situations that he keeps ending up in, in which he could undergo some sort of, like, terrible injury, like, keep escalating in a way that was just, like, has stuck with me for a while. And so throughout this whole section, I was sitting there, like, Joel kept getting into increasingly dangerous situations, and I was like, is this going to be it? <laughs> like, is he, is he going to, is this where it's going to happen? Um... Because I think, like, my favorite section of this part is uh, Joel is exploring the dorms. There's, like, a couple gates where you gotta, like, move generators over and, mm. and hook them up and um, very video gamey stuff. But um, in one of them, he, like, falls through uh, the floor, gets through the floor, and um, finds a, um, a bunch of clickers. And so I was like, oh, okay, you know, we're going to do this whole section. There's clickers in here. I got to stab them. And as I'm, like, working my way through the rooms, I see one pass by in the hallway. I was like, oh, that that was moving a little bit different. And I hit mm. my listen mode, and I was like, oh, mm. oh, that's a bloater. <laughs> like, it was such a good moment of, like, sudden... Because I feel like even when I listen moded at the beginning, I just noticed, like, where the clickers were mm. around me and, like, started addressing them in kind and all that. And the second I realized there was a bloater that's, like, moving through this whole section, I was like, oh, no. Mm. Uh, oh, because <laughs> it's super cramped. Like, there are, yep. like, when we fought bloaters before, we've at least had a little bit of room to move around. But, like, this is, like, just a couple dorm rooms and a hallway. And the, the part at the very end where you have to bust through a door and get through it, like, y'all y'all saw some of the results of that on our social media account because I memed it for, for Ken. But, uh, like, you're trying to bust through the door and the bloater, I don't know if it's, like, scripted to always turn the corner when you're trying to do that or not, but it's, like, this very, like, hair-of-your-neck escape mm-hmm. situation Um where you get on the other side and it's like roaring at you and all that and it was and that's what's hitting the window yeah and like i was talking earlier about how if there were fewer combat situations overall in this section like some of these moments would have hit harder and that was definitely one of them i mean it's the first time we've dealt with infected so far um outside of some runners so again my point stands there were like some random runners that were hanging around one area where we had to turn a gate on Mm -hmm. uh to keep moving but it's like, if the only combat sections in this game were this moment and then the one that happens at the end of this section, I feel like they would have stuck out that much mm-hmm. more narratively. But I, I really like to, uh, like, between both games, the moments where you are in a space kind of, I don't know, say above ground and you, you either by circumstances need to go into a more dangerous space or accidentally kind of fall into that. Like it can be cliche at certain points, but I think like in the university, because there's a lot of room for conversation to breathe and it's less about just kind of consistent combat. Like when you drop down there and have that Mm. experience, I I felt the same way too, where it's, it, it stands out more because it's just like, it's tight. It's, challenging in some ways and also just very much like oh i wasn't expecting this to happen and now i'm down (laughs) here and i need to get out of here you know yeah yeah especially like because i mean granted like i guess at this point like you've been given a lot of opportunities to kind of like scavenge and find other like resources and shit but like you hypothetically could have accidentally ended up in one of those places basically nothing to your like nothing in your pack so 
you know, the, the when when they become like more natural and less predictable, like I think that is when those things uh, start to stand out more, for sure. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I guess we should also mention at this point that there are monkeys throughout this area that are just like scampering around up to mischief. You know, put a pin in that. Um, as we get into the science building, we start working through. This is where we get the toolbox. I think it's the fourth. Mm. set of tools that we get but it yep. that actually ended up being like a weird gate for me where it opened up a lot of different upgrades i was trying to get for different guns yeah. um that was neat yeah. uh we did get a flamethrower in this section but yeah. i still haven't touched it i um, it's one of those things where like it's i think it's most effective like for for like clickers and such because like they if you set them on fire they are going to be dead but it's just like mm-hmm. one of the like i've never i, I never really ever found like natural places for me to use it when i had like all the things that were i don't know just like a molotov felt more sen- yeah just felt more sensible to use than a fucking flamethrower yeah i don't know like bry what what weapons did you find yourself relying on the most in this game like i mean in this specific moment i actually it was like bloater flamethrower fair <laughs> fair fair so, oh, so you actually fought the bloater you actually killed the bloater yeah I, I went I went for it uh, <laughs> and um, yeah I for me like I very much played uh, this game as, as a stealth game um, I, I loved using the bow and arrow mm. and just trying to like I, I, I really like especially in the moments where you can kind of see in this game more so than part two you can definitely see some you know paths and mechanics a little bit more clearly that like you it's almost like a puzzle sometimes and Mm. that was the most enjoyable for me than like other chaos kind of uh exploding out so i was very much always on that kind of path and just trying to sneak up and and, and shiv as much as i could too um but yeah when it's all it's also video game cliche but when game gives you flamethrower you're like oh okay (laughs) so uh um yeah, and then I, I, f- I feel like in, in later sections it just becomes when there's there's a little bit more going on, uh, spe- specifically where we're, we're getting to, it's a little bit more guns out, shotgun style. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. It, uh, I do prefer the, because I think it can get a little messy in ways that, uh, not frustrating, but just like, I, I preferred the methodical, like, pick it apart, and then if it does kind of uh, go to hell, then... Right. take care of it as it does in that way so mm-hmm. and i think that's something like I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that like sections in this game feel like a puzzle because like that was something that i felt like it, it's it's still present to some extent in parts two but like when you have those more open areas it, it does not feel like there's this scenario that you're like kind of there's been like deliberately crafted for you to get through in a certain way or like try or like mm-hmm. you know use the tools you have at your disposal to get out of this very specific situation that often that is like putting like a clicker in a room of, room full of runners or a bloater in a room full of clickers um where part two is more open in spaces so it doesn't necessarily feel that all of them are as fine-tuned in the same way which is what you know which works more in some cases than others but it is something that like i do appreciate about games that are maybe on the more linear side is that like I, if i feel like that what i am working through is more crafted and more deliberate like i can maybe see the matrix of it better and like kind of find ways to get through it uh with just like using my knowledge of the game rather than just kind of happening upon shit in the way that you can and say like part two is more open spaces yeah mm. it when i was replaying through this too like it it was strange for me to clearly see the pathing path so much more right. uh, especially because of having played it prior 
it was very like earlier parts of the game i felt that very strongly but then it became a little bit more i guess endearing to me as like a product of its time and mm. also as a mechanic that i'm using within the gameplay right. um so as it as the combat scenarios got a little bit more complex and it was a little bit deeper into the game that's when i like i said or enjoyed the puzzle aspects of trying to figure that out uh, heck yeah um we do eventually get back to some combat again with more <laughs> with more puzzles because as we more work puzzles. our way through the, the science building um we find some recordings uh the monkeys make a bunch of noise and scare us a little bit uh and we we find a recording where one brilliant man of science <laughs> learned in his path well studied is like well we're packing up and leaving to go to salt lake city and find the cure and all that uh things went to shit here guess i'll just let these monkeys that we are experimenting on out of the cage with my bare hands and such and then one of the monkeys bites him and he's like oh geez oh no oh god what did i do so obviously like the the implication is that they had been testing the infection on the monkeys the monkeys are infected uh and he got bit so he becomes infected but just shout outs to the world's worst <laughs> scientist <laughs> like yeah. there's only so many of them left on the earth i'm assuming and one mm. of them is still dumb enough to be like let me just let the infected monkeys out of the cage like mm, you know experimenting on animals is fucked up okay like mm. it is it is pretty pretty bad but if you're gonna go that far like why would you then be like well time for me to find my sympathy i guess and let this monkey out of the cage with my bare hands <laughs> like come on my guy mm. <laughs> that's all i gotta say I, yeah that's all I got rookie to. rookie mistake here come on come on uh but uh he leaves one last recorder that does tell us that the fireflies are in salt lake city um and as we're thinking about our next steps we see some flashlights through the window uh ellie wonders if it's the fireflies but then they open up on us uh there is no stealth here we just got to shoot a bunch of dudes and we get hustling through a bunch of shooting and killing and this is maybe a part where the ai was getting a little bit goofy on me because i would like jump through a window like one of those waist high windows Mm. and the dude would like try to chase me but like kind of just end up doing this weird shuffle in and out i ended up creating a lot of murder hallways that's that's what this game has been for me the murder staircase the murder hallway like (laughs) you know just Mm. line it up um but we do get to a cutscene where uh we're we're tussling with a dude and a guy pushes against us on the railing and we both go fumbling down to the the ground floor and joel lands on rebar and it goes right through him mm. uh da. um great moment here where ellie's trying to get him up and he's like move because you can see the door moving and we have to pop two guys as they come through the door um and now we just have this long, painful segment where we are an injured Joel that is trying to stay alive, trying to move, um, barely helping. Meanwhile, Ellie is murdering dudes. Like, good God. Like, man, like, I don't think she misses a shot in this segment. Real talk. Like, I was, I was playing through it, and I was like, I don't think she 
has shot a single bullet that hasn't like hit a dude there are some like she shoots him a couple times but man ellie is a darn killing machine good Mm. good work adapting to the apocalypse (laughs) um we we get outside like joel is barely able to stand like he is it is at one point ellie's having to help him and stuff like that and it's oof and like in the midst of it like our vision's going in and out and Uh like one probably like one of my favorite sections is the point where like you have to like uh joel's like propped up against one of the science tables and yes um, like you got the one guy that's coming at you like with a shotgun and if you like even like slightly peek peek out like you get you know like he shoots at you and it's one of those points where it's like you have to trust in ellie like because the whole point like she's like you need to stay here i'm gonna flank him just yeah rely on me for this fucking second what she's refusing to do the majority of this and then it's like you have to be patient enough to wait there for her to do her thing and that just kind of gets me the whole sort of mechanic here is that like joel is being very insistent that he can like there's a point where she's like can you walk and he's like yes i'm like a stubborn old man and then she's well then fucking walk and so (laughs) eventually like it does get the point where he's so worn down like he does finally like rest on her shoulder as they're walking out and then she's like i swear if i get you through this you're fucking singing for me (laughs) yeah which was very good it's um it's it's really good and we get to like the very end and joel basically goes falling down the stairs and um looks up and you can see there's one last bandit trying to steal off with with callus our horse and uh ellie pops him for that one and uh they manage to get up on the horse and start riding and uh ellie's like okay joel what do we do like what do we do next and joel just kind of falls off the horse like pale and uh cut the black who knows what could happen next (laughs) um by virtue of the way this game operates like we immediately then cut to winter and and see some stuff and the first opportunity we have to save our game is after we kind of at least have some answers to what's going on but uh for the purposes of this episode we will be ending it there but uh just to like cap it off this is like such a a moment like a a way to like end this segment because we've had this whole section of jackson and and uec where ellie and joel have come to an understanding with each other Mm. joel is starting to deal with his grief deal with his trauma become a a more well-rounded person that it's taken him decades to do and uh he might be dead (laughs) that's um it's it's really shocking i can't speak to how this felt at the time but even today if if i didn't know things about this series i'd i'd just be like shocked at this moment um so i guess i'll pass it off to those of you who have played at the time starting with bryden yeah going back to this when they're against the railing and i could clearly see the rebar on the ground i was like okay here we go again (laughs) but in the moment when that happened like it's it's hard because the game like we're talking about it before but the game does have these really uh gut-wrenching moments that happen prior to this but there is still a large expectation of like plot armor slash Mm. Mm -hmm. you know it it, especially then versus now right uh so when this happened at the time i think that's why like they they tease it with playing as sarah at the beginning of the game but it was to me really shocking in that moment and i why i think it resonated so much playing as ellie in in winter 
a bit uh, and going forward. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, I honestly really love this section for the fact that it, it builds up their, their relationship. And then, you know, as, as Ken was alluding to there, there is no, like, there's no opportunity here for Joel to protect Ellie or to stop Ellie from mm -hmm. doing certain things. Like, there's leanings towards Ellie doing more and Joel trusting Ellie more throughout uh, earlier parts of the game. But this is clearly, like, Joel's not getting out of here if it isn't for Ellie. Right. And everything that comes, like, from them getting out of this space is, is on Ellie, like, pulling that off. And, mm -hmm. you know, even before that point behind the... Um, behind that desk and, and the, the flank that uh, Ellie does, like how Joel goes over that window is, mm. I, I remember when I played that originally going like, oh, it's bad, bad. Right. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. obviously it's bad, bad because he fell on rebar <laughs> right. on the ground and the game makes it incredibly clear right. how much blood he is losing. But it's like, well, Joel's, Joel's, a, uh, t he's going to get through it. It's going to be fine. There's genuinely like, at the time, there's me just being like, I don't know if he makes this. Like, right. I don't know what is going to happen next. And mm -hmm. um, it's completely different now with, with context and everything. But it's still such a good kind of close to that area. Yeah. And and I really do love the way that, like, Ellie just kind of coaxes him on and, and right. gets him through all that. It's it's kind of speaks to the relationship that they've built up in the last yeah. little bit, too. And, and is him just having to trust her yeah and I, th I think like the way that the game i think i think it felt like so significant in the moment especially because like, the game is going out of its way to communicate to you through like the difference in how you can play at, or in that section just like how dire this is and how important this is because like joel's moving mm -hmm. slowly you can't draw your gun unless you're like you know you're back to the the uh the desk in that one section um so like it felt in the moment like it is hard to talk about this in terms of like the actual ramifications of things without getting into what's coming next. But um, mm -hmm. I do feel like for a moment in terms of like regardless of like what it actually means, like in terms of like selling the stakes of a moment, I think it did it did extraordinarily well. And I think like what's coming next does take long enough to like confirm things to uh, make you wonder. Really, like, if, if it, this is going to be the, what the game is like for the rest of its run. But, yeah, it, it was, um, in the moment, it was very sad to, like, see these characters, Joel and Ellie, had finally come to an understanding and that that might be taken away by forces out of their reach and that that could possibly be a thing that The Last of Us ever does. That specific scenario of two people reconciling and then not being able to later. What's up? It'll be a bad thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who could say well, if we ever have to deal oof, with something like yeah. that? <laughs> Who knows? We'll find out next week if Joel McLast of Us is dead or not. <laughs> um, oh, man. As always, we are Normandy FM. Uh, we are a retrospective podcast that is currently covering The Last of Us. We've also covered Mass Effect and Dragon Age and Jade Empire in the past. And we also do regular updates on Bioware games. Uh, there's a lot of news going around <laughs> about Bioware lately, so... 
the the pickings have not been slim but uh we are also planning on doing some stuff around the mass effect legendary edition once that comes around uh we're still working on our plans for that but we are very excited to do so if you want to support us if you want to be a part of the community you can head over to patreon.com slash and back us there any amount will get you into our backer discord where can i hang out we post new episode updates and sometimes dumb memes and stuff like that as well uh we also have a tier where you can get early episodes so if you want them as soon as they are edited rather than every wednesday when they go up normally uh you can back at that's here and if you back at a higher tier you get your name shouted out every single week here on the podcast as a thanks for your support and this week that list is kevin kulikowski chris johns alice hawk colin just colin just zach mickle the wedge of destiny mila hyde zach james and kevin hucks thank you all so much for chipping in and helping us keep the lights on around here uh we will be heading into the winter section next week we have a lovely guest lined up once again to talk about what could possibly be happening in the world of last of us <laughs> after such a dramatic moment but before we get get out of here and head to that uh bryden where can the folks at home follow your work and all your great memes and such uh yeah you can follow me on twitter at uh bryden kex my name and uh through that you can glean a, a look into some of the work that i do along with probably just a lot of talk about valorant skins as of late <laughs> heck yeah heck yeah. they're they're good there's there's some new ones coming out next week that will be live by the time this podcast is live but uh let me tell you about those animations though <laughs> oh oh and the battle pass looks good oh it's a good battle pass mm. Mm. <laughs> ken will one day join us we're getting we're getting there we're wearing him down i can tell mm. ken made us play injustice with the last with him last night it was, it was i didn't make y'all do shit uh-huh 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 yeah sure he th- this dude made us play his fighting game that he's played for hundreds of hours didn't even pick a non-main just said <laughs> i'm gonna play green arrow uh try your best and so myself Let me destroy and, you real quick <laughs> yeah myself in front of the show jesse Vitelli just fucking slammed our faces into a wall against him for who knows how long felt like eons <laughs> mm. well, y- y'all said it was your uh your goal to beat me that night so i was like okay if you're gonna make that like we're, a thing then... we're gonna make you get guilty gear strive because mm-hmm. we're gonna have some some more even ground to, to, to fight on uh until then, for Bryden, for Ken, for myself, we will see all of you next time on Normandy FM Last of Us Edition. Mm-hmm.